Hello, everybody, and welcome to Athletic Definition. My name is Coach Ray, and today my guest is Josh Laker. Uh, thank you for being my guest today, Josh. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. No problem, and welcome to Fireside. Uh, fairly new app, uh, but there's a lot of great features, and uh, right now it, it is like my responsibility to bring on different uh, fitness people on here and, and kind of give the world uh, a taste of different uh activities they can do you know my whole thing is i want people to work out and for some people it may be running for some people it may be weights or any other sort of activity and just looking at your bio here it's very impressive uh first of all and i always like to just start off by finding out if uh as a little kid were you active was it something that your parents encouraged you to do or did you not really uh play outside no, I, yeah, we were outside all the time. You know, my brother, me, my brother, my sister, and I were outside all the time. Uh, we, I played everything from baseball as a little kid, uh, but I played mostly basketball growing up. I did do a little bit of cross country and track when I was in uh, middle school, but mostly it was mostly basketball. Uh, and then when we did, we rode dirt bikes. We went fishing all the time. We spent tons of time on the water. Uh, yeah, we were outside and active a lot. Absolutely. Uh, and then uh, in high school, did you also play sports? And, you know, as a little kid, I think I feel that most of us have dreams of playing some sort of pro sport. Did, did you want to do anything like that? As a, You know, when you were in high school or did you kind of realize that's a different type of breed of a athlete right there? Yeah, no, I knew. I mean, I played so I focused on basketball uh, from the junior high up to high school. Uh, I wasn't any good. I mean, I was on a team every year, but uh, all the way up until I think my junior year, you know, I played on the JV team. And then uh, my senior year, you couldn't play JV anymore. So I kind of just sat on the varsity bench and, and, and watched the game unfold. And uh, it wasn't until my senior year that I really – knew what I wanted to do and it was to coach uh, at that time it was basketball like I, I really wanted to coach basketball and you know from the bench I was uh, you know th I was called the coach from all my other coaches because I was always hauling up other players you know telling them to get in position or rebound or whatever it was uh, so for the longest time uh, coaching basketball is something that I wanted to do oh wow that that's uh, interesting. I've I've had a lot of people when I would play basketball and rec league call me the coach as well because mm. I'd always be like, come on, get back on D. Let's do this. Let's do yeah. that. Let's try and make it happen or uh, just encourage the team if we're down. And then um, you, I, you know, I saw you decided to uh, join the military. And uh, was that before college or, or? Yeah. So I actually joined the Coast Guard. Uh, it's called the Delayed Entry Program between my junior and my senior year of high school. So I was actually technically in the Coast Guard when I was in high school. And then two months out so after I graduated high school, I went straight to boot camp. So I was uh, in boot camp when I was 18 and uh, been in the Coast Guard ever since. Matter of fact, I just hit 20 years uh, last month. Wow. Well, uh, congratulations and yeah, thank you for thanks. your service. I, I, you know, I, I'm not a giant military buff, but I believe you have the power to arrest people versus the other uh, branches. No, the Coast Guard. Yeah. Yeah. We have, uh, I forget what it's called now that you said it, but yeah, the Coast Guard has the, uh, is the only law enforcement 
only military branch that can affect laws on the U.S. land, uh, on U.S. territories when we're not in the uh, in, in a state of war. And then uh, just from your bio, it, it said you went to Hawaii. And out of all the mm-hmm. places you want to get stationed, I'm sure a lot of people want to go to Hawaii. Yeah. And how was that experience? And also, you mentioned that that's really when you fell in love with running, which I, I, you know, people that I know have gone there, done races, lived there. Say it's very humid. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, so Hawaii was great. It uh, so I was there from two thousand and eight to two thousand and eleven, uh, and it, it was you know beautiful, of course. Uh, but it was when it was when I was ready. You know, when it was time for us to leave, uh, it was it was long enough. You know, you can only go around the island so much and see all the things. But uh, it was, I mean, it was absolutely beautiful out there. Now I grew up in the Midwest and that's where I'm living right now. Uh, it's way more humid here in the Midwest mm. than it ever was in Hawaii. You know, you could, you know, our, the house that we lived in didn't have any air conditioner. You know, the, you open up the window and there's enough breeze that uh, you'd be okay. It may get kind of hot on some nights, but it was never miserable. So, I mean, it was always even keel temperatures out in Hawaii and, uh, and it was absolutely beautiful out there. And is it because of the beauty that you started running and fell in love more with running or, or what was it at, at that point? Cause for me, a long time, it was just always love hate between running. And then yeah. at some point it just became love. Yeah. I mean, my story is kind of weird. It, um, you know, so I, I did run a little bit when I was in, you know, high, junior high and high school, but not a lot. I, I mostly did it just to stay in fit for basketball, stay in shape for basketball. Uh, and then when I got to Hawaii, so that would have been seven years after I've been in the the Coast Guard. Uh, you know, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't unfit. I was really scrawny. I wasn't overweight, uh, but I just wasn't fit. And I had to, I went back home back to uh, was I was in Kentucky at the time for some training and I went and go visit my brother. I sat down at a, a table outside of his restaurant that he was working at the time, had a big old burger and a big tall beer in front of me talking to one of his friends. And he was just telling me how he just finished a marathon. And this guy was um, much heavier than I was, uh, appeared to be out more out of shape than I was. And he just finished running 26.2 miles and uh i was he told me about like the low percentage of people in the the u.s that have run a marathon and it just totally parts you know um piqued my interest on like well if he can do it i want to do it you know i want to do it and and i want to try to train for that and that's really where it all started uh i started doing my research on that type of guy when i when I want to buy something, when I want to try something new, I do a ton of research on it. And I just started diving really deep into uh, how to run, uh, how to do it effectively, how to do it without injury. Uh, and and I started training for my first half marathon. That's uh, that's really good. I don't think most people take that effect. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of running injuries and yeah. people were to educate themselves before. Uh, people just want to go kind of gun ho. I'm guilty of that when I started. I didn't know any better. Just let's see what happens. And people would tell me something. You're you're not supposed to do that or you can't do that. <laughs> and I'd be like, watch me. 
Yeah, let me show you. Yeah, let me show you. And then, well, I've done this many. Watch me again. But then after a while, you kind of, I want to learn like the more uh, effective ways of doing it. There's, I'm not the best. There's people who are better than me that I could learn from. And uh, that's the mentality I've taken. Uh, I I think for a while, a lot of the thing is uh, a lot of people are just kind of like about the book, but maybe haven't experienced it. And I was more about, let me go experience it and then I'll go into the books. Um, And I know with your your interest in uh, learning everything, is that why you decided to, uh, you know, go back to school and pursue? Because you went all out. You got a bachelor's and a master's. Yeah. A bachelor's in... Uh, what is it? Exercise. A bachelor's in exercise science. And then, so yeah, I mean, I started there um, when I was living out in Hawaii. Um, I, I started pursuing my bachelor's in exercise science uh, just just to dive a bit more into, I mean, the, the, it, was, it, was, it was really about the, the biomechanics of running, the exercise nutrition, uh, and, and you know, all the things that come along with the body, the, how your body adapts to, you know, stress. And uh, you know um, workouts and recovery and all those things, and so uh, I started doing some extra studies in exercise science, and I I got my bachelor's when I lived out in actually I got I started in Hawaii and then I finished it when I moved out to North Carolina, and then right after that I joined a master's program and got a master's degree in uh, human performance, where I studied more about uh, way more in depth on uh, biomechanics. Uh, of exercise, nutrition of exercise, and it was just a really cool program. And uh, I also see you're certified in the U.S. track and field level Mm -hmm. one and two. Uh, I I got the level one, and I just recently took the RRCA course, uh, Roadrunner Club, and I could be wrong, but one of the guys who taught it uh, was a level three, and I thought he mentioned there's only three people in the U.S. that are certified to teach level three, which I thought was pretty uh, a small amount of people. So is it a small percentage that go on to the level two as well that you're aware? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think there's more. Obviously, there's more in the level two than our level three. Level two, in order to get a level two, you have to you know do some coaching uh, for a certain period of time, have your level one, and then do some coaching for a certain period of time before you go take the level two course. And so that I was able to do that. I did some volunteer coaching at a junior Olympic team. I did some volunteer coaching at Marshall University when I lived out in West Virginia. And uh, so that was able to get me into the level two course. And since it was a U.S. track and field, was there like a different event besides running that you were into or what were you primarily coaching? Yeah, just, I mean, it was all running. Uh, and then, you know, I, I specialized level two, you can specialize into the type of field you want to, to learn. So level one, as you know, it, it, they, they talk about everything. They talk about throws, they talk about sprints, uh, a little bit about endurance. But level two, they have they have a specific throws course. They have a specific uh, course for endurance, which is, you know, the one that I took. Gotcha. I, just for anyone listening in, I already, uh, if you see on the fortune cookie, I have uh, Josh's Instagram and his website. Uh, and then later on, I'll give you the opportunity to mention how people can uh, reach out to you. But that's just another hyperlinks that are very convenient as well. And uh, for those of you just joining in, uh, Josh Laker is my guest. He's an ultra runner, active duty uh, coach. 
And I, I know you coach. Uh, what do you prefer to, to coach? Uh, since you do ultras, is it mostly adults? Because it seems like young people maybe in their 20s aren't really doing it too much. Maybe it's grown a little bit, but it seems like an, an older crowd that seems to be doing ultras. Yeah, I mean, my, my, my primary client is, is an ultra athlete, and it is. It's probably um, – I've had a couple upper 20-year-olds, but that's probably the oldest uh, athlete I've had, and I've coached uh, a handful of uh, 50-year-olds as well. So, it, you know, the ultra scene is definitely a range of ages, uh, but that's what's so cool about it is, you know, you don't – anyone can honestly run an ultra. Like – anyone can run a half marathon anyone can run a marathon as well but uh you know running being able to run there's this you know mystique about running beyond a marathon uh, and people think they had to have to put in tons and tons of miles tons of time to run you know 50k 50 mile 100 miles and and honestly you don't you know it, it's it takes a different type of training it takes some intentionality with planning your life around training, but it's not this, you know, su- you know, superhuman thing that uh, takes tons and tons of time to do. And, and that's coming from a guy who uh, I see you have kids and mm-hmm. they're in sports and uh, I'm yeah. assuming you work full time. So yeah. um, when, when you say time, huh, you know, to the average person who's considering it, how much time out of their week would you say they, they need to put out to try and do something like this? Uh, I've trained, I've trained athletes to run a 50 K on three to four days a week where we max out at 40, 40 miles a week for their peak peak week. Um, and, and up to uh, five hundred mile uh, training plan where we're running five days a week. I don't like to train people more than five days a week. I don't think it's needed. Uh, there's two, two, uh, two you know, like you said, injury is rampant in running. Uh, I, I'm all about longevity. I love to run. I want to coach runners who love to run. I want to coach them in a way that they'd be able to do it for the rest of their life, not just run this 100 mile race and then be done. So, uh, you know, I don't like going super hard in training and getting them to this race, beat you know, beat up and, and battered just, in, just to get through it. So five miles, five days a week is, typically the max for any one of my athletes and depending on the athlete anywhere from, you know, 40 miles to 60 miles max for their peak week. When we're talking about, you know, hundred mile training plan. And I, I want to go backwards a little bit. I know you said, uh, it, you heard, uh, I think like your brother's friend or somebody talking mm-hmm. who completed a marathon and then it picked your interest and you started running how long were you running when uh, you found out about what an ultra is and then, oh, I want to do an ultra from the time you started running? So that was when I when I was that when I was at that table with that, that my brother's friend, it was probably 2011. And so I ran my first half marathon that year in 2011. I ran my first marathon in, in either 2011 or 2012 and then uh, ran you know, a handful of marathons from 2012 to 2015. And then in 2016 was when I moved out to West Virginia. Uh, I moved out to actually, I was in St. Louis, Missouri at the time. And uh, that's when I set my sights on a 50 miler. And um, that 
I really haven't looked back since, you know, once I found trail running, once I found the ultra distance events, well, uh, you know, I didn't look back. I've done one marathon since then just because I wanted to qualify for Boston. But other than that, I've done everything, you know, 50K uh, and above. Did you get to qualify for Boston? I did. It was the most painful thing I've ever done, too. It was miserable. Um, I, I It was 20, 2018, I think it was. Uh, 2017, I decided, all right, I, I want to go back. My PR at the time was three hours and 21 minutes uh, at, my, at the Little Rock Marathon. And I wanted to – I had to run a 305. And I wanted to train for a 255. And, you know, being – you know, do as I say, not as I do, I, I – wasn't ready for a 255 and I trained for a 255. I should have trained for, you know, probably a 302 and I would have, I would have been in better shape at the race, but I ended up running a 304.39, which got me to qualify. But the year, that year you had to run a minute and 20 seconds ahead, you know, faster than your qualifying time to get in. So I qualified, but I didn't get into Boston. Got it. Uh, and, for some people, they just want to qualify and some people actually want to go and do the races. Do you actually want to go and do the race or are you just no. satisfied with qualifying? Yeah, yeah, I'm satisfied with qualifying. I, I'm a little unsatisfied with not being able to run under three. Uh, so uh, there's a part of me that wants to train again and run a 259, but um, we'll see. I'd rather run 200 miles before I run a 259, so... And so what is the longest distance you've done in an ultra? 150. 150. And yeah. was that a, within how many days did you have to? So that was, a thir- that was 36 hours. That was a, a last man standing race. I just did that in May of this year. And uh, the idea behind that race is if you take 100 miles and you divide it by 24 hours, you get 4.1667 miles. Uh, on uh, um, every hour. And so uh, they, they developed a race where there's, you start the race at seven o'clock in the morning and you have one hour to run 4.1667 miles. And if you get done in 40 minutes, you rest for 20 until the next hour and you do it over again. Whoever makes it back in time or whoever doesn't make it back in time is out. They don't get to go again. And you just keep going and going and going until you're the last person left. And the race that I was in, it came down to me and one other guy for the last four loops, maybe the last three loops. And then um, Paul, the, who was the second place finisher, he had he couldn't go any he couldn't go anymore. His feet were just tore up. He he had duct taped his feet. He had toenails falling off. He had blisters all over the place. Uh, and he had to bow out. And so I ran the last lap by myself to, to finish the race. And I, that's it. I couldn't go any farther. They wouldn't let me go any farther because uh, that's how the race goes. Wow. 150 miles. That's very impressive. And, oh, wow. If, uh, that is so difficult when you duct tape your feet just to have to <laughs> yeah. <give up. laughs> he, he was, he was something else. He was a great, really great guy too. And then, uh, I, you know, on your bio, it says you've done at least three 100-mile races. Yep. And uh, and that picture, did, have you won a couple of them? Or uh, well, So that one, that's the one I won. 
the last okay. man standing. And um, what what exactly kind of a trophy is that? Uh, that was a plaque of that was the state of Kentucky. So the the race was in Kentucky, and so that was just uh, the state of Kentucky. I think it was made out of uh, bourbon barrel wood or something like that. It has some curvature to it. Got it. And if anyone uh, is wondering what the picture looks like, you can go to Athletic Definition Instagram and you can see the picture of Josh's trophy. Uh, I was uh, trying to zoom in and take a look at it, what it is, and that, that makes sense now. It's the outline of the stuff. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. And then the, the other ones, uh, how were they? How was that experience? So my, first, my very first 100-miler was uh, probably the hardest one I've done. It was out in the, the mountains of Virginia, and it was called it was uh, MMT Mass Massanutten Mountain 100, and it uh, ended up being 104 miles, 20,000 feet of climbing. Uh, it took me about 20, just under 25, just over, just over 25 hours to finish, uh, and I finished 15th place in that, which you know was respectable, and I had no clue what I was doing at the time. Uh, so you know, I did that one in. It was May of 2017 or 18, I think. And then uh, a couple months later, I did the Yeti 100, which is the exact opposite of MMT. It was uh, like a, an out and back course that only had like 2,000 feet of climbing. It was all on crushed limestone and uh, ended up finishing second in that in that race. And I, and I finished in 17 hours and 15 minutes. So... You know, it's yin and yang, two different courses, but, you know, both 100-mile races. Wow. That, that sounds like a, always a fun experience. And have you had that hallucination where ultra runners talk about? Or? No, no, no. Um, so the, the craziest thing was during the, the last race I just did where I was going for 36 hours. Um, you know, you don't have time to sleep. I was able to sleep during the night course for about five minutes every lap, you know, every other lap or something like that. So over the course of the 36 hours, I maybe had an hour of sleep and I never, I never hallucinated, but I was never, I've never been to a point to where I've been that tired during the middle of a day moving, you know? So if I was running, I was fine. But the second I stopped running and started like power hiking up a hill, like I, my eyes wouldn't focus. I, I couldn't, you know, see, I could see where I was going, but I couldn't focus on the trail in front, in front of me. And I was, I almost couldn't keep my eyes open in the middle of the day. Uh, and so that's the most, probably the closest to hallucinating I've ever had was just being extremely tired in the middle of the day. So pretty much in all the races you've done, you've never slept at all at all. No, other than the last man standing, you know, that's the only time that we really had a system in place to where like, you know, I had uh, ear uh, earplugs to put in. I had a blanket to wear. I had a face mask, and we had like a chair that that leaned back to where I can lay down in. Yeah, that's the only time, only race I've been in where I've really needed to sleep. And I, I've done a, I've done a marathon in the mountains, yeah. which they had an ultra also as well. And the, the support crews are way different, even the, oh, yeah. the, the food that they give you and yeah. just so just so nice. It was quite the experience compared to a regular road race that I've had. It's like Coca-Cola and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And can I put ice in your bag? 
Yeah. It's a really good experience for no one who's ever tried it. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, I mean, I still haven't done an ultra, but the trail races are, they're so nice and you're just with nature and I never put on music when I'm out there just running. I'm just enjoying the sounds of the mountains and, and the runners. Yeah, and, and it, it is. It's it's a it's a world of difference between running on the road and running, you know, on a trail. The the community is different. Not saying that the road runners community is bad, but uh, when I moved to the the trail running, ultra running, you know, there, so many more conversations have been had on the trail than I've ever had running on the road with somebody. And you know, I mean, one, you're going at a lower effort, and you can actually talk, uh, and you're out there for way way longer so you know you you spark up conversations with random people i remember um november of last year i did i did the georgia death race and i was severely under trained for it because of circumstances with covid and all that but i was out there and i started hurting early and later in that race i just happened to come across a guy who was not doing well either and we both kind of just ran together I think it was probably the last 20, 25 miles of the race where we did a, like a walk run and we kind of just pushed each other, talked to each other the whole time and we, we helped each other through it. <clears throat> yeah. That's great. The, the random connections you make uh, yep. during, during a race and just kind of give you that little extra push you need sometimes. Um, I wanted to ask since uh, I know you were a big basketball fan, uh, do you still get to play basketball now or? That's, you just kind of hung up the basketball shorts. Yeah, I just hung them up. Uh, you know, I, I play randomly in the driveway, but uh, actually, the, probably the last time I played a real game of basketball was last year at some random, um, some random family event that that I was having. We just broke up the basketball and played an event. But you know, I, it's kind of scary to think about it now that if I try to go play basketball, I could you know roll an ankle or land on someone's someone's ankle when I come down and someone's foot when I come down from a rebound and, and be out for a couple, a couple months because of that. So, uh, it's one of those things it's, you know, the, the, the cons definitely outweigh the pros of, of playing, you know, any kind of basketball game now. And what about uh, races? What, what do you have uh, coming up next? Are you training for anything particular? I'm just starting to get back into training. Um, I, I'm just kind of ramping up my miles now. I, I really, I, I, I took a ton of time off after my race in May. Uh, really, I don't like running during the summer as it is. I, I sweat a ton. It's just too hot. I don't enjoy it. Uh, I ran still. You know, there's a lot of unfocused running, but I'm just now starting to ramp up my training because I have some plans next year to where I want to qualify for one of the main races um it's called the big dogs backyard ultra uh, where the it's the guy who created that race i was just talking about the 4.167 miles he mm -hmm. created that race the guy's name is lazarus lake and he created this whole thing there's all these the backyard ultras happen all over the world and now there's this championship system to where if you call if you finish well in one of the races or you win them you automatically get into the championship race, which happens every October. So um, I really, I, that's my goal next year is to get into uh, a race in March that happens in Ohio that usually has really good competition there. That if I win that race, I automatically get into the race in October. So 
that's my plan. I got to try to sign up for that race here in about two weeks. Got it. And is it usually just only for the, the winner of the race or the second place get an entry as well? So the, the winner automatic gets the automatic bid and then they have a system to where they do an at-large bid. So if you end up going enough miles, so for example, I've needed to run about 220, 230 miles at my race this year to get an at-large bid. And since I only was able to run 150, I didn't get that at-large bid. So if you go far enough, if you have enough competition to push the pace far enough, then you don't have to win. You can get an at-large bid. Got it. And, and I'm glad you mentioned the weather. I, I know a lot of people either they hate the cold or they hate the heat and, and they think that you probably have to train for everything. I, I personally do because there was times when I didn't train for all types of weather. and Not that I prefer, like I prefer to run in the heat than the cold. That's oh, just yeah. me. But uh, there was a time where I would avoid the cold so much and the rain. And then in a, a race I was doing, it started raining. And I'm like, I am not prepared for this at all. So now when it rains, I put on like, hey, you're a little kid, go out and enjoy a run yeah, in the rain. Yeah. I put on that mentality and I go out for a run just because it needs to get done here and there. You know, not always, but it does. I think it's important, especially because you don't know what race uh, conditions will be that day. And you lived in a, quite a few different states, you know, yeah. you were talking about humidity. Uh, so what do you do to like get yourself motivated when the temperatures are like, hot or do you just do a lot of cross training because i also see you in the weight in the weight room all the time as well well for, for me uh, i mean everyone's motivated by a different thing but for me if if i don't have a race on the calendar um it, it's my motivation is a bit different it's it's um I, you know it's harder to get out that door when it's 90 degrees out but if i have a race on the calendar you know i'll train in any conditions and i'll just have to uh, you know make changes to how I train when I was during, let's see, it was 20. It must've been 28, the summer of 2018 going into 2019, I was training through the summer and, uh, you know, it was, you know, the dead of summer and I, you know, I had to get in 20, 30 mile long runs and me and a buddy would wake up, you know, at four o'clock in the morning and get half of our long run done before it got too hot. And the other half, we would just do loops around our car so we could stop and get enough water enough electrolytes, enough food, uh, you know, so we didn't get too dehydrated. And uh, actually a runner sent me a link today and it was uh, about, I think it's a real short study that they're trying to do in ultra runners. And you were talking about the percentages of people that do uh, marathons, which is really small. So the percentages of ultra runners is even smaller. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that, uh, I think what the article was trying to say is that you could be too fit for your own good. Uh, that maybe you can push it. And it, they were trying to see if there was any sort of heart issues that would uh, basically, uh, I guess, arise from ultra runners. I haven't had a chance to read the whole thing. They sent it to me today. But it reminded me of a TED Talk I seen a few years ago where they talk about, Jesus' uh, uh, name, the guy that the marathon was created, uh, named after, who ran from, uh, in Greece, and ran oh, to marathon. Uh, flip it, flip it. Yeah, I can't think of his name either now. And um, basically, what the TED Talk was trying to say that he was kind of like the first 
endurance athlete of that time. Mm-hmm. And what most people don't know is that he died right after he yeah. delivered that. And uh, they were trying to say that before that he had probably ran way more than 26 miles. He had probably done like 100, maybe mm-hmm. 200 miles. But I'm, I'm sure they didn't have gels back then and <laughs> all the, the stuff that we have now. Um, so it's kind of an interesting article. And I, I, I definitely want to read it more because like, who are these, since they're so small, uh, percentage of people doing it, who, who are these people that they're testing? And, and do you, would you consider an ultra runner, maybe like a uh, fitness, uh, obsessive kind of fanatic maybe? Oh, I, I, I yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I would think anybody who's, I mean, I, I talked to, I've talked to many runners, you know, as a coach, I, I talked to, you know, a new runner every week, probably, uh, looking for coaching and, and uh, we all come to running for many different reasons, but uh, most most of the people I talk to have a drive, have a goal to run, you know, faster pace or a longer distance. And it takes a certain type of person to want to do that. And um, it's that type of person, you know, that type of person is someone who's going to be a little bit obsessive, 100 percent. You know, it, but just to carry on that point a little bit, it's fine to be obsessive. Right. But we also have to understand that if you want to continue to do that, if you want to continue to chase those goals, if you want to continue to run, you can't just run. There's so many other things you have to do to be able to run the rest of your life. You know, you, the, the dynamic warm ups, the static stretching, the, the yoga, the foam rolling, the hot baths, the strength training, taking time away from running so you can continue to run it. Those are all things you have to do to continue to run. And and that's the difference between being obsessive with running and just running and uh, being a healthy obsessive. Right. Doing it, doing it properly because Mm -hmm. there's that overtraining where people can get hurt. Um, They're just so obsessed and they don't even have like a race that they're preparing for. They just, feel that they have to go all the time. Got to log the miles. Yeah. And if it's done right, you can see examples like uh, Tom Brady. Uh, It looks like he could play till he's 50 years old. And, you know, there's a difference between being obsessed and and to be great like that. You kind of do have to be a little bit on the obsessive side. Uh, But to uh, complete a marathon or an ultra, I I don't feel you have to be. Uh, It's just that most people, I think, mentally doubt it when, when they hear that it, it seemed and then some people just don't want to do it i have friends who are like i don't even want to walk a mile yeah and um you know what's your advice for uh families because i i know with kids my, my kids are grown uh, and i don't have to like take them to games or anything like that and how do you do it because i know man you have you have three boys right now uh I got, there's four in the household yeah two four yeah, two two are mine and two are my girlfriends from ages thirteen to five. And all different sports are playing? Yeah, we got two of them in cross country, one in baseball, and the other one's in between sports right now. But uh, so I mean the answer to your question is I, I listen, I talked to a I talked to a prospective client the other day who's who uh he's got two kids, he's uh got a job and he's starting his master's program. He's like, Listen, I don't know if I have the time, but you're never gonna have the time. The only, the only right time to start training for your goal is right now. You know, you can find the time for anything. 
you can make anything work. And when it comes to your family, like you have to have uh, buy-in from your significant other, from your family. They have to know your goals. They have to know why you want to do these things. Uh, you for, you have to know why you don't you can't just want to run a hundred miles just because it looks fun. You're not going to get far if that's the case. You know, you, it, it's hard to run a hundred miles. It takes a lot of work, and to have a good reason for doing it, you're going to need that. You're going to have to rely on that during training. You're going to have to rely on that during the race, and your your family needs to know that so they can support you during the training because they're going to pick up some of your slack. You know, you're going to be running for four or five, six hours during training. They're going to have to pick up the slack when you're gone. Yes. And uh, having someone supportive is definitely helpful. Uh, and I'm glad you have that. Um, Cause it's I know. So was, Absolutely. Yeah. There was times where I've had, you know, good relationships and bad relationships and supportive and non, and there is a big difference. And, especially if you're getting ready for a race, uh, the less stress you have and the more smooth everything goes, uh, it makes it better. And uh, that's probably another thing that people in general don't even consider is the communication with their family about what they want to do and the training and, and the dedication and time that they will probably have to spend away. I always tell them there's going to be times where you're going to be like, oh, I could be hanging out with my friends this weekend or I could be hanging out with my boyfriend or girlfriend doing something but you know i need to get this done first and then i can hang out with them and um uh i know you uh said uh you like to do the ultra runners that kind of want to finish uh are you able to do you coach like someone who's never ran all the way to an ultra or you just yeah more more people who just have done races already no i've coached i've coached every type of athlete i've coached athletes who are looking to just get fit you know, I've coached athletes who uh, are trying to run their first marathon. I've coached multiple athletes who want to run their first ultra and athletes who want to run their next ultra faster. You know, uh, it, I, my specialty is ultra running, but uh, I've, I've coached them all and I still coach them all. I get I get all types of athletes that, that reach out to me with questions. And, I uh, you know, I have calls with lots and lots of potential clients uh, of all types. But um, I would say my primary client is is the type of an ultra runner, someone who's looking to either eventually get to an ultra or they have a race in mind that they want to be trained for. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm training an Ironman athlete right now. Oh, that, that's actually a, a good one because I figure with a Coast Guard, your swimming must be pretty good. <laughs> no, I hate swimming. I really hate oh, okay. swimming. <laughs> so. Have you have you ever dipped into the the whole tries at all? No, no. Uh, I, there, again, there's part of me in the back of my mind that wants to check that box, and and honestly, I'd probably do it in my backyard. Like I wouldn't sign up for the race. I would, you know, train to swim, bike, and run, and I would just do it in my neighborhood and, and just get it done. Yeah, that that that's something that. Part of me wants uh, to do it, but I don't know if I could sit on a bike for however many miles it is. Yeah. It seems pretty painful to me. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, any other uh, like sports that you uh, would like to do that maybe you're kind of in the back of your head or competitions? Um, yeah. I mean, there's all different types of running competitions now that are popping up. Like there's those, 
you know, point to point, 200 mile races, uh, that, that are somewhat intriguing to me. You know, this, this new type of race format is extremely intriguing to me where I'm running, you know, every hour on the hour. I'm, I'm thinking about putting on a race, uh, here locally. That's kind of a new format where, uh, instead of it's still going to be, you know, 4.167 miles, but instead of every hour on the hour, every every new hour, we'd, we'd knock off one minute. You know, so the next hour you have, you know, 49 or 59 minutes and then 58 and, and, until you get down, you know, you're going to be you're going to be running 40, 50, 60 miles and trying to get faster at the same time, which is kind of intriguing to me. It's it's a different kind of pain. It is. And. It'll probably also shorten the race too, because yeah. uh, with you just trying to each each time you go around, that that's a more pressure to I yeah. get done. Yeah, very, very interesting. And uh, you know, with COVID and everything else, I'm sure uh, coaching had to have changed. So, are you doing Absolutely. just in in person coaching, online coaching? Do you do both? Or yeah, most of my coaching has always been actually all of my coaching has always been online. You know, being in the military, it's it's the um, really the only way I could have done it when I started this business in, in 2016, officially anyways. Uh, now that I moved, I live in Louisville, Kentucky now. Uh, I, this, I'm not going to move again. You know, I'm, I'm going to stay in the Coast Guard for as long as I can here. And when it's time to move, I'm, I'm probably going to be done and, and, and go to coaching full time. But now that I'm here, I'm starting to kind of put my roots in and I'm, I'm taking over a position, a volunteer position at uh, a local elementary school to do their cross country. Uh, I'm starting a youth program here shortly with, uh, in the area that I live in. So I'm starting to get into the in-person coaching, in-person coaching with the youth, uh, which is something that I've always wanted to do, uh, because I like to be able to, uh, be around runners that really enjoy running and, and doing it with the youth. I'm able to, in my opinion, I'm able to put them, in a position to do well the rest of their life with running, not, not in competition, but just to be able to run for the rest of their life. That is something that uh, I would love to do. Yeah. Uh, for me, it takes a special type of coach, uh, to be able to work with kids and to be able to be patient and translate. <laughs> yeah. they, they can understand, uh, me, I like teenagers enough, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm good with the kids, but I just don't really try it. It's just not my thing. Uh, just even coaching other different types of sports. I've, I, But my friend, he's really good. I have a couple of friends that are really good with kids. The kids come around them and they connect. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it, it's it's in them and I know how to stay in my lane. So <laughs> <laughs> that's great that there's different types of coaches uh, because yeah. the, there's not too many, uh, I think, for especially at least that I've seen in at least in California, you know, where I'm from things for, for young, young people to run and kind of get involved. Like in, it's usually not till you're like in junior high that you get like your first access to track. And, and even then where I went, it wasn't really big. It was more until I got into high school that I was more exposed to them. And then by that time, if you're dealing with kids with talent, you're just too behind to kind yeah. of catch up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a short window and some people are born with that natural speed as well. Um, and so after, uh, you say 
when it's over, you're planning to kind of stay in Kentucky or? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're extremely happy where we are. I don't think we're going to move move again until the kids are done and gone. And so, uh, you know, my, my, my plan is when I get out of the Coast Guard is to, uh, you know, do my uh, coaching full time. Uh, you know, I, I maintain somewhere between a, you know, 11 and 15 clients right now, which is, you know, a, something that I can manage anything more than that uh, is probably going to be too much for all the things that I'm doing. And then I would love to be able to coach, you know, up to, up to high school uh, age kids in cross country. Uh, and that's it, you know, coach cross country and then coach, you know, adult athletes online. And I'll be happy with that. And uh, I, on the fortune cookie, I do have uh, your website and then your Instagram, but just for the people listening in and when I, converted over to podcast, uh, how can people contact you or reach you? Yeah. So I'm four cycle runner on Instagram. That's the number four cycle runner. And my website is fourcyclerunner.com. Uh, also four cycle runner on, on Facebook and Instagram is where I do, you know, I get most of my contacts or where I spend uh, most of my time when I'm on, when I'm on social media. And uh, I did want to just kind of, I, you know, I always see you lifting weights, which is, Good. A lot of people don't cross train enough with strength and conditioning. Uh, yeah. When did you get into weights? And you know, was it like you know how how does that happen? Me, I, I got into all these different things because I worked at a gym, and then I'm like, oh, okay, weight training, and then I started doing something else. I'm like, oh, this sport. Um, so it kind of just fell into place. So how did you come across weight training? Well, as a runner, you know, I always you're always told you need to do strength training. You need to do cross training to stay healthy. And, you know, I spent plenty of time going to a gym and trying to do things or uh, following a program that is for runners, you know, every now and then and stick with it for a while. But I was never really intentional about what I was doing and I never stuck with what I was doing. And, you know, the CrossFit was always this, mythical thing that I wanted to try had some friends that did it uh it was always this stigma with CrossFit and so I told myself I always wanted to do it but it was never convenient and there was it was never in a spot that was near me and I'm a type of person if it's not convenient for me if fitness isn't convenient I'm not going to stick with it especially if it's not something I'm used to doing and uh, when I moved out to West Virginia, I just happened to move like right down the road from a CrossFit gym that was opening up very shortly. So in January or February of 2017, you know, I stepped foot into my first CrossFit gym in Barbersville, West Virginia, and it was the greatest place I've ever been. Like the community there, uh, you know, once once you kind of get in and, and get over that overwhelming CrossFit stigma of, you know, everyone throwing weights around and trying to go super fast and lift, you know, lift everything's uh, the community around CrossFit is, is a lot like the community around ultra running. You know, they're, they're really accepting for anybody to come in. Uh, you know, they cheer you on if you're the last one still going. Uh, it, it's really cool. So, you know, CrossFit was a way for me to kind of just show up and put in the work and uh, not really have to think about it. Now, after doing it for you know four years, I'm able to step back and 
and know, you know, understand why I'm there. And that reason why is I want to, it to benefit my running. And so I don't do all the things uh, that are high risk, low reward for an endurance athlete, you know, things like overhead squats or, uh, you know, heavy snatches. I, I don't, it's just very low benefit for why I'm there. So I just don't do them. I modify them. I scale them. I talk to the coach. The coach gives me things I can do and it's all fine. You know, it's not a big deal. I just, you have to know why you're there. Yeah. That's very important. Very specific training for whatever sport you're doing. Uh, and then since you're not in West Virginia anymore, are you also still uh, doing CrossFit or yeah, no, I, I, I am. And it's, uh, it's far, it's far less convenient for me now, but it's, I, I like it enough that it's okay. You know, so I, I drive about 25 minutes to get to the CrossFit gym that I go to. And, uh, but it's, it's, I don't get to go as often because of the drive, but it's definitely still worth it. You know, it's going in there and, you know, suffering with, you know, the new community that I've, I've found it, it's still something that I enjoy doing. So I'm going to continue and, and I see the benefit from it. You know, I've, I am a much, much stronger runner uh, because of CrossFit and without a doubt it's helped me go far down the trail. Um, so I'm going to continue to do it. And uh, kind of like the last thing I just want to touch on is we didn't really talk too much about nutrition. Uh, like, do you really yeah. watch what you eat or is that something that you kind of uh, are always working on? That's probably one of the tougher things to deal with is uh, nutrition, especially after a long run. You, you want to eat everything in sight. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, nutrition is one of the biggest things. Uh, I have always been the N equals one kind of person. So I'd, you know, hear something, read something, see something, and I would like to, I was like, all right, let's try it on myself and see how it works for me. And I started doing that when I lived out in uh, North Carolina. And I, I just, as a, as a, I was running marathons at the time, I was like, well, let's, let's try this low carb thing. Let's see what that does to a runner. And it was miserable for the first like two to three weeks. So I was like, I was eating less than 20 net carbs a day and uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't move, but slowly, but surely I was able to adapt to a low carb diet and uh, really perform well on a low carb diet. And, you know, since then, you know, with research and, and more knowledge, I've moved away from a low carb diet to really just what I call clean eating. Like I, you know, read labels and make almost all of my food um, and, and just eat, eat healthy. You know, I, I still stay away from wheats and, and most, most grains anything that's super processed. Uh, so I still am a relatively low carbohydrate diet, high fat diet, but you know, I, I'll eat, you know, big, big salads a couple of times a week. I'll have, you know, I'll have nachos when I go out, you know, something like corn chips, you know, I'm not too, I'm not afraid of any food. I just know what works for me and what doesn't. Yes. Uh, I, I, some people, I think, are so stressed out by not eating certain foods that mm -hmm. they cause more stress and probably doing worse than just having that little bite and relaxing about it and keep keep up with your training. And uh, 
I want to thank you so much for for coming on and just sharing your fitness journey. And yeah, of uh, course. Is there, is there anything I missed that maybe you want to promote or anything coming up that you want to mention? No, I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's about the love of running. I really enjoy coming on and talking about fitness in general, you know. But my fitness journey is mostly around around running. But with running, uh, I've found CrossFit. With running, I found you know you know, ways to properly, um, fuel my body. And I've found ways to help people, you know, maintain their fitness with strength training, maintain, you know, a healthy lifestyle with helping them with the nutrition and, you know, do some cool things while running as well. So, um, you know, that, that's ultimately why I coach is to, to help others, you know, fuel their passion for running and find a way to do it for the rest of their life. Yeah, to me, I, I, I'm really about long, longevity. I stress, yeah. um, maybe you're not going to be running, but don't you want to be able to walk and not have to be like, oh, this hurts. A lot of yeah. my friends uh, that aren't in shape, they say, mentally, I feel young, but my body doesn't feel it. So it's the quality of life as you get older, you know. And for me, uh, my, I play basketball with my son. So for me, it's important to stay competitive enough to uh, play against them, you know, as yeah. they get older, they want to start proving themselves. So uh, working out for me is like something that I really encourage. And that's why I bring on different coaches because I don't really care if it's me or anybody else. Like if, if some person gets uh, like motivated or encouraged, uh, it might not be me. It might be from you or a next guest that I have on. Cause I, I just bring on a variety of from kettlebells to, uh, you know, jujitsu to ultra runners. I just want some people to start uh, working out. I saw some statistic where I think it said a uh, majority of the country will be obese by like 2030. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, it's, if I have a platform, which I think Fireside for uh, gave me this platform and this is my opportunity to kind of just do my part. So I want to thank you so much for being on here once again. And if anybody wants to contact Josh, uh, you can do so at four cycler runner com or on his instagram on the fortune cookie and uh till next week uh where i have all new guests uh thank you so much for joining thank you everyone listening in this has been athletic definition episode 26 coach ray and everyone have a good night thanks ray